But what was more important to me, I think at that point than my ego, or did I mess it up or did I say the wrong thing was what I was committed to was the love in the relationship and could we sort our way through it? So I failed a lot. I made an ass of myself a lot. I was like Bambi on ice a lot. I ended up irritating him sometimes, but I'd come back and I'd say, okay, here's what I'm trying to say, or here's, here's what I was attempting to do. And this is new for me and I'm uncomfortable and I'm really embarrassed right now because you know, like I should know better by now. And that vulnerability too softened it up a bit instead of like, hmm. okay, Andrew just flew off the handle. It's like, okay, well then he started to realize how did he contribute to whatever it was that caused the anger? Oh, okay. I could see how that may have seemed that way. Okay. That's not what I meant either. So I mean, once we started loosening it up again, like we both got vulnerable, but it, it was a little messy at first. Welcome to The New Beyond, a podcast that invites listeners to learn how to not only think outside the box, but learn how to live outside it. The New Beyond is a place in consciousness that lies beyond ideas of normal and abnormal. It's a place where the new comfort zone has much more to do with your willingness to play big and be uncomfortable while you're learning how to navigate this brave new world. Hello, I'm Dr. Judith Rich, an octogenarian, coach, and author of the best-selling book, Beyond the Box. I've spent nearly five decades in the field of transformation, coaching people all over the world how to identify and break through old patterns and limiting beliefs that have kept them stuck and challenged to move their lives in the direction of what matters most. In this podcast, we'll hear from some interesting people in the field of transformation and others who, by example, are courageously tearing down old walls, reinventing themselves, and building their lives in the new beyond. And I'll be adding some personal perspective and hopefully some wisdom and insight as we go. So let's dive in as we begin an adventure in going beyond where you think you can go. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The New Beyond. I'm Judith Rich, and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome back to the podcast my guest today, Andrea Ivanka. Andrea was on episode six of the first season last year, almost a year ago, uh, last March, actually. And uh, that episode was called Wisdom from a Broken, Open-Hearted Warrior. So if you've not listened to that episode, I highly recommend that that you go back and listen to it because Andrea takes us into her background on that, uh, on that episode as a second generation Canadian whose grandparents met in a Ukrainian refugee camp after World War II, fell in love and migrated to Canada. So her whole Ukrainian story, this episode was uh, recorded shortly after the beginning of the war in Ukraine and there was just a lot. And so that was called Wisdom from a Broken, Open-Hearted Warrior. And Andrea remains certainly uh, a wise, broken, open-hearted warrior. And, you know, I advocate for letting our hearts break and leaving them broken because when our hearts break, they break open. So let me bring you up to date, if you haven't yet listened to that podcast, on who Andrea is she is a deep, wise, and extraordinary women's business coach and mentor. For over a decade, she's helped female leaders and entrepreneurs unlock their potential so they can build their best businesses and live their best lives. As a business coach and mentor, Andrea helps successful female entrepreneurs lead the way into their next income level, combining aligned energetics with leading edge business strategies that set behavior on autopilot for success as they scale and grow. So going back to that first episode that Andrea and I recorded almost a year ago, uh, first of all, Andrea, let me, let me be the first one to welcome you here to season three 
in the second year of the podcast, The New Beyond. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much. When you reached out, I mean, I I love everything you stand for and what you do. So I really feel like the honor is mine to be here again. Well, the feeling is very mutual. And let me just say that um, I'm calling today's uh, today's episode Unlocking Intimacy. And it comes directly from something that you wrote on Facebook. And I want to share that quote. But before I share that quote, I just want to say that your bio doesn't mention the fact that you are an extraordinary writer. And I really appreciate what you have written and shared on social media. Um, And so unlocking intimacy, here's the quote that really lit me up. You said, when you're willing to have the uncomfortable conversations, you unlock deeper intimacy. And so I'd love to just use that as a point of entry to begin our conversation today. Can you kind of unpack that for us? Because I, I know and you know that intimacy is an issue that is so common among people, whether we're talking about a significant romantic partnered relationship or whether we're talking about family relationships, friend relationships, as well as intimacy with ourselves. So uncomfortable conversations unlock deeper intimacy. How how does that work? Well, for context, um, my partner and I, who is my business partner, my life partner, we probably went through the most challenging point of our relationship. We've been together 12 years and we got into this place where we weren't having the real conversations anymore. I mean, we love each other a lot. And because we were building a business, there were certain things happening in the personal part of our relationship that started to feel a little like, well, I don't want to say this because I don't want him to think I'm making him wrong or picking on him. And then he was having these thoughts, which I mean, we didn't find out until after once we actually opened up for deeper intimacy. So I'll circle back around. Um, But he was having these thoughts like, well, I should only support her and what she does. You know, I need to always be supportive of her, can't make her wrong either. And so there were things that started to build up inside you know and if you've ever gone through something where there's a little frustration and then you just okay you self-manage yourself and you kind of shake it off for the sake of being more loving and kind but there was these little things that started to add up until they hit a very big tipping point and so at that point we we were really at a crossroads of do we actually have the real conversations about what's been going on with us internally or, you know, and give ourselves that, that's that space to be uncomfortable, not knowing what the other person's going to say, how the other person's going to react, or do we just say, that's it, we're done. So we were at a real crossroads of how do we navigate the unsaid things? And at that point I had gone, I actually have it right here gone back into reading Rising Strong by Brene Brown. And there was something that she said in there that I had also learned in a leadership program where I met you, right? And it was this, here's how I feel. And here's the story that I'm making up in my mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. So that was a kickoff point for me to start having these uncomfortable conversations because when you have a lot of emotion, anger, frustration, sadness, hurt, rage, guilt, all of the things. I mean, chances are the story you're making up in your head is probably not um, what's actually happening. And I knew, right. I knew most likely the story I was making in my head was not exactly what was going on, but it felt so real. So so what I gather is that you were actually either afraid or reluctant to actually share that story you were making up or be honest about the story you were in, you were enrolled in, in your head. Correct. 
And so you projected onto him that he wouldn't want to hear this. I totally did. (laughs) I totally did. And the, the thing is when, I don't know for other people, I'll speak for myself. When I don't catch that I'm projecting, the story that I'm making in my head feels very real. It feels like the truth with a capital T. Like he's being this way. This is how he's going to react. This is probably what he thinks. And none of it was actually true. The thing that was so scary for me was having the courage to say, this is what I'm making up in my head because it, it could have gone either way. He could have said, Oh, actually you're absolutely right. That is what's going on. He could have said enough with this vulnerability crap. (laughs) No, like I'm mad. Just leave me alone. He could have completely ignored what I was saying. So that vulnerability of, of sharing what I was feeling, telling the stories that I was making up in my head, like there was this moment where, okay, it was out there. It was out there. And then I just had to wait and give him the space to respond. Meaning that you did actually, you did actually share the stories you were making up or the stories that you were the stories that you were at, at listening to and giving some validity to you actually yeah. did voice that so i did uh, you know the i've got a bunch of your a bunch of your quotes here from the things that you've shared which is why i think you're such a brilliant writer one of the things you said that really applies here is you said our unvoiced fears are what takes us out so you know in the training um domain we call those withholds do you remember that part of the training mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. you were where you had an opportunity to communicate to someone with whom you were withholding or censoring communication to actually communicate that from a responsible point of view but when we're mm-hmm. holding it inside now we're making we're not only making up stories about what we're thinking but we're also making up stories about what they're thinking. Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. So, so what gets made up in the gap between what I'm thinking and feeling over here and really doing a reality check to see what's actually happening over there complicates things even more, doesn't it? It really does. One of the the things that ended up helping throughout all of this, it was actually quite amusing in retrospect. I had a couple of clients who were literally feeding me my coaching back to me from <laughs> what they've heard over the last couple of years from me about remembering to feel my emotions and then get myself back to neutral and then question the story I'm telling in my head. And, you know, what do I know to be true of Satya from our relationship together? Like, were the things I was even making up making any sense. And I think having that safe place to verbalize some of what was going on for me internally without um, also that making me wrong or trying to, you know, just be on Andrea's side. They were very, very neutral. That really helped. And something so interesting came out of this. And this was where I was thinking about those um, undisclosed fears another friend of mine started opening up up about some of the things that were going on in his relationship. And then he said something so interesting, Judith, and it really got me thinking about where else this is happening for people. He said, okay, I've said all this stuff, but I don't want you to think anything bad about my partner. She's a great human being. It's just right now we're having like this challenge and we don't quite know how to navigate ourselves through it. And it made me realize how often I've been withholding because I didn't want people to think badly of me and I didn't want people to think badly of him. So here we are, we're like, we're pretty kind human beings. We've been on the personal development journey for a long time. We've taken leadership courses. And because of this block of not wanting anybody else to think something bad of our other partner of our other half, because we love them, we didn't open up for support or help anywhere until everything kind of exploded for us. 
So it really got me thinking if we ended up somehow there, how many other people are ending up there because they feel like they don't have a safe place to have these conversations or they don't feel like, hey, I can say something because then, you know, they're going to think so-and-so about, you know, my partner or my client or whatever it is, like how often we hold back and then things blow up and they maybe could have gone a different way. I mean, it happened the way it did. I can't change it, but there's so much learning for me in here. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there's a, I think there's very often a mindset that comes into place, not only with people in the transformational leadership space, but I think in, in many ways in people in general, and that is the idea that we think we should know better uh, you know, I, I've done all this study, I've done all this training, I've, I've done all this introspection. I actually know intellectually some things, and I should know better than to go where I went, right? And so to protect my own image of myself, because like you said, I don't want to l- look bad in front of other people, or I don't want other people to think badly of my partner, I just close up. I just shut down. And then something in me, something in us actually dies when we do that. So yeah. what what do you think it is that dies in us? Like what are the prices that we pay when when we don't uh when we shut down, when we when we close off, when we put up a wall? when we're more interested in protecting some image that we have or defending some belief, I should know better, I should do better. Like as if when one does leadership or transformational or personal development work, you should become this perfect human being who never has breakdowns of any kind, either relationship or otherwise. And it's simply not the case, right? You're still humans. That's right. I think some of the prices we pay for sure was the intimacy. I mean, that was one of the first things to go. And then what ends up happening, at least it did for me was I felt very lonely. You know, I I felt like because I couldn't let people in or even with some of my clients who have become friends over the years, it it still felt like I still had to have Andrea, the coach hat on all the time, Uh, which is kind of exhausting too. Like I, I can go really deep. You've seen through my writing. Sometimes I'm yes. a little saucy, you know, I, I have a funny humor. I love going to comedy clubs. You know, I, there's a few comedians that I really like Trevor Noah and Gabrielle Iglesias. Like I love laughing. So the other price that really, at least for me, it felt like my authentic self-expression of who I was started to get smaller and smaller and yes. smaller. Yes. When we shut down, we not only shut down our pain, we also shut down our aliveness. Mm-hmm. So that's the price that we pay is that we shut it all down and we don't have access to any of it. That's why I loved what you wrote about um, when you're unwilling, you said when you're, when you're willing to have the uncomfortable conversations, you unlock deeper intimacy. And I think that's so critical for people to get is we are so averse to being uncomfortable. We are so addicted to being comfortable and we're terrified to go into those places in ourselves, in our relationships, in our lives that we think are going to disrupt our comfort that we suffer by shutting down, by holding on, by walling ourselves up. We suffer more greatly over a longer period of time. I call that uh, long-term pain. You know, Mm -hmm. we suffer over a long time. Then if we would be willing to go into the discomfort, to go through it, it's like a much quicker, in my experience, it's a much quicker traverse through what do you what I, do you think about that I agree completely I had it was really interesting because the last couple of years I've been doing a lot more 
deep work with my clients. I mean, I've always done deep work, but around emotional intelligence and actually working through our emotions without making ourselves wrong. So while everything blew up, I, I cried, I think more than I ever have in my life. And I had one family member who I love dearly that didn't quite know what to do with all of this big emotion. And she was saying like, just stop crying. And I said, respectfully with tears pouring down my face is I get to feel my feelings. It's like a wave. It's going to have been crashed because if I don't, what's going to happen is it's going to go under. And then at some point it's going to pop up again. So then I'm going to have to relive this twice. I'm unwilling to do that. Yes. Or I'm going to have to do big emotional breakthrough shift work because I haven't acknowledged and dealt with what I'm feeling. So that was one really, really interesting place for me to be in because it was also uncomfortable to let people around me see me in, for all intents and purposes, what I felt like was in a state of total meltdown, you know, and it's just... I had a choice there too, not, not just with what was happening with Satya, but with the people around me and even my online presence that I didn't want to hide what I was going through. I thought if, if shutting down aspects of what was going on is part of what got us here, I don't want to do that anymore. And that's where some of this deep writing came out. Like I didn't have it in me to be fake and be like, I'm so excited about this. I just, and maybe even if I could have, I'd already made the decision. I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So what's going to come out of it at the end of the day in terms of how people receive me, how people see me? I don't really know. But at this point, with all respect to all the people online or whatever, like I don't really care. Because it's if I'm filtering who I am, I'm going to end up repeating those same patterns again. And I'd like to grow through it this time instead of going back. Yes, yes. And and I applaud you for that. I, I think you you are one is a much more powerful role model by by demonstrating how you manage times like these, how you go through these kind of how one goes through these kind of relationship or other kinds of meltdowns or breakdowns. You know, I think there, I'm, I'm thinking of one quote unquote influencer in particular. Um, I won't name names. She and her, she uh, was perhaps still is, I'm not sure, a very um, popular motivational speaker. She and her husband were, uh, were, were really deeply associated with each other. And they presented this image of their marriage as rock solid, you know, as just so core to who they were and their partnership. And then all of a sudden, one day, they announced they were divorcing. And it was such a break with, with no, you know, <laughs> no runway, no, no tee up to what was, you know, to the truth of what was going on in their, in their relationship that she lost. I think it was kind of the downfall of both of them. So mm. I think to, to, to a certain point to be open and vulnerable and trusting yourself and trusting the process, trusting your, your community enough to be honest and be real and be authentic about what's really going on and how you're navigating it is as important is as important as anything you will teach. I I really got to see that and how much love and support I got from people even without people knowing what was going on. I, you know, I didn't share all of the details. But just even past clients that reached out to take me out for lunch or to spend some time with me or family making sure I had some things to do over the holidays where like it was the weirdest thing Judith because I'm usually the one that's holding space and listening to people and I give and I give and I give and I give and it was really beautiful and yeah a little uncomfortable at first but beautiful to be on the receiving end of so much love and generosity. And that might it, have been it was something else. That might have been a stretch for you, I'm guessing. 
It, it really was. You know, it's, it's, I think, in fact, for a lot of people, it's much easier to be on the giving end of all of that. Because to be on the receiving end renders you in a state of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. That if if one navigates life, I'm the strong one. I'm the capable one. I'm the one who's got it all together. And that's kind of my brand, right? If that's your brand. <laughs> now all of a sudden you're kind of unraveling and you know just maybe to some level sort of falling apart I'm not saying that necessarily that's where you were but but to a certain extent being open and vulnerable about that really gives people um, a window into their own humanity because human beings we just don't get through life without having these kind of challenges, without yeah. really getting to face up to uh, the necessity to, to go through these uncomfortable times. There's something that you, there's something that you wrote that also really jumped out at me because this is another thing that's been on my mind. You were sharing in a Facebook post about that you were going through things that rocked you to your core. And you weren't specific about it, but that's pretty powerful just to share that you're going through things that rocked you to your core and about feeling your feelings and the importance of feeling your feelings. But here's the important thing that I think you said, and it's a distinction that I don't hear a lot of people make. You said a feeling is a feeling. It's not who you are at the core. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people, in my experience, a lot of people identify with their feelings. Like, this is what I'm feeling. This is who I'm become. I've become. This feeling is like I'm being washed out to, into the ocean mm-hmm. of pain and sadness, and and that's it. I'm doomed. It's over. But you make a distinction called there's a difference between your vibrational set point and feeling a feeling. I love that. Can you, can you kind of unpack that for us? Sure. It's, I think language is important in this too. There's a difference between I am angry versus I feel angry. Mm-hmm. When we use language more consciously, right? When we're talking, this is going to tie in with the vibrational set points, who we are at our core is not what we feel. Right. If you think about it, if I say I am strong, I am powerful, I'm kind, I am generous. Those are our ways of being. They they represent like a, a character, certain ways of behavior that tie in. Anger, sadness, joy, um, those moments when you light up because you saw a beautiful sunset. I mean, our our feelings are fleeting. And I think what's happened over time, especially with things like manifestation and the secret and all of these things, people collapsed feelings and emotions into ways of being and then made it like, well, basically almost if you feel anything unsupportive or quote unquote negative, you're going to attract bad things into your life. I always had a little bit of an issue with this because I'm a woman and women are cyclical. And there are certain times of the month where I would much rather go into my room, snuggle up with a good book and not talk to anybody. Now, does that mean then that who I am fundamentally as a person means that I cannot attract success or what I want into my life because I'm not always gung-ho and energetic and, you know, like we're going to do all the things. So starting to separate out feelings and emotions from who I am, started to create that distinction for me where instead of basing my identity around what I feel and who I feel, it just became like waves, you know, like the waves, sometimes you've got high tide, sometimes you've got low tide, the waves come in and then they crash on shore and then they come back out again. You know, they're not permanent. So that distinction of my feelings Oh, they're almost like the spice or the salt or the sugar you add to dishes. And then your core is like the main dish. It's who you are. I don't know if it's making sense, but 
it it really helped me to separate out the two. And then I didn't make myself wrong about feeling what I feel. It also made me not try to hang on always to happiness or joy, right? It, it, it opened me up to feel my full breadth of feelings. And that's it. And permission and permission to do so. And here's a, here's a distinction. Here's a fine line. My experience of you and how you navigated this was you really navigated the line between permission to feel your feelings and understanding the distinction, which really saved you from becoming self-indulgent. Yeah. And that is something that I think in my experience, I often see people collapsing the distinction between being with my feelings and connecting with my feelings and then just absolutely becoming lost in my feelings, indulging myself and in all of that, losing grip with that vibrational set point of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I felt I, I I experienced that you have navigated that really masterfully. I don't know if that was anything conscious that you did. It was very conscious because this time it was so big going unconscious into how to again navigate it. I may have fallen into that quite honestly, but I've seen enough people do that. And with some of the other things I've gone through in my life, I didn't, it, it that didn't seem like fun. You know, like for some people, all of the attention they, they do get, shouldn't say all of it, but a lot of the attention they get is when they're in some kind of a breakdown, right. Or, we we commiserate when people are sad or angry or you know somebody screwed them over whatever it is it's like that water cooler talk but i knew there was a different way and so some of the things that helped me if i needed to cry i cried when i was done crying it was like okay now that i've emptied out now i've got space i've got a choice now i can either keep going into whatever was creating that emotion and keep retelling that story in my mind and keep mentally going over things or I can pivot my attention just a bit because I'm not going to go from like, okay, I was just bawling my eyes out too excited in like two seconds flat. They're just, mm -hmm. I don't work that way. Some people can, but for me, I was like, okay, what feels a little bit better than this? Well, what feels a little, for me, curiosity is, is always one of like the, the states that gets me out of whatever I was feeling Yes, that I no longer wish to feel anymore. Right. So I was curious. Okay. Well, you know, I'd get curious about other things other than the thing that I was thinking about other things going on in other people's lives. What my, what my part-timers needed, what my family needed. It was the holidays, right? So curiosity about other things in life got me pivoting my attention. And so at that point, I hadn't ignored my feelings. So they were processed and they were done. But now I could move into something else. So from curiosity, now I could open up a little bit more into oh, maybe I could be a little excited about going to St. Jacob's to buy Christmas cookies with my dad, right? Maybe I could be excited about doing the Christmas tree with my brother and his kids. So for me, it's almost like the way I see it when I move out of emotions, it's like those stones that you see across a river, mm -hmm. right? So if you want to get across the river, you're probably not going to do it in one jump. Like I said, I, I don't move from sad to excited like this. Mm -hmm. Some people can, I'm not one of them. So it's, it's finding those things that feel a little bit better, a little bit better. And for me, that was very conscious. So, so one of those stones would be called curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I am, I am a wholehearted supporter of curiosity. Um, I talk about that in, um, a, a podcast, actually, I believe that's coming up maybe this week. Uh, well, by the time this pod, by the time this episode airs, <laughs> that episode will have already aired. But I do believe that curiosity is is a kind of superpower that it brings us to a portal, and yeah. it brings us to yeah. an opening. <clears throat> so maybe, maybe curiosity. I'm not sure about this. But maybe curiosity is that first stone across the river. It's the one that gets us to the next stone, right? It's the one that gets us started crossing the river because it opens us up to 
possibility. It opens us up to what what might what what is possible now. Okay, so this thing happened. I've felt sad about it. I've felt angry about it. I've felt betrayed about it. Whatever the feelings are, and I process those feelings, and now I become curious about okay, what's possible now, and talk about what some of those other stones that get us across the river might be if curiosity. And I'm not sure, but if it were the first stone that gets us started on the track across, what are some of those other stones? Do you think? Oh, for me, curiosity, I mean, it would be tied into actions too, right? It's not just a mental construct. So I read reading is one of the things that helps move me from curiosity into little more contemplation you know something a little deeper but it depends what you read like I was reading this Rising Strong by Brene Brown I wasn't reading how to make your partner cry and make him pay you know (laughs) so I think the curiosity is also like what what are you putting inside of you or who are you talking to or what are you listening to once you move from curiosity because I think once we open the door for curiosity then if we're reading something that inspires us or having a, a conversation like this, that opens things up. Maybe then we can move into, for me, a big one was trust. Just yes. trust in myself, yes. trust in the universe, trust in Satya, trust in like whatever happened out of this breakdown that we were in that either we would figure it out or that we would be okay But again, that fundamentally comes back to some core beliefs. Like, I do believe the universe has my back. I don't always like the things that happen. But fundamentally, I do have that as a belief. So if once I moved into trust, okay, so now trust feels a little more grounded for me than curiosity. And then from trust. Can we stop right there? Before we go to the next one, I'd like to just park on trust for a a minute. Let's park on trust. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think trust opens uh, trust opens us up to there's a lot of fear that can be that can precede trust. I mean, in between curiosity and trust, there's, you know, generally there's a there's a gap or there's, you know, there's a space before we take that next step. And there's a lot of fear that's mm-hmm. underneath or that impedes our ability to trust. Right. Um, and so when you said trusting that the universe has my back. And would you, do you think that's equivalent to trusting that life is happening for me, not to me, even if I don't like it, even if I can't, even if I don't get it in the moment, still in the face of my fear, um, I don't like this. I, you know, if I could choose, I wouldn't choose this, but it's here. And so I trust that it's here to serve me in some way, even if I can't see what that is yet. hundred percent, hundred percent. There was things that really came up for me to take a look. And I mean, this is me. I'm, I'm quite blessed that I've, I've been on a personal development journey surrounded by great people. It afforded me an opportunity to look at myself and say, how did I contribute to this? Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting for me because this is going back to it's happening for me. It's not happening to me. So if it's happening for me, then this is a perfect opportunity for me to take a look at myself. That's that's the way I look at things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I could have gone in a completely different direction and just said, he so this, he so that, it's all his fault. How could he? Blah, 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 blah. Um, we probably wouldn't have found our way out of the mess if I had done that, because then it would have been like pouring gasoline on the, on the fire, you know, it just would have like made the whole thing explode. Yeah. But if everything's happening for me and I don't like what happened, then I have an opportunity to say, okay, how did we get here? How did I contribute? What was going on inside of me? And that really brought me back from where we started the vulnerability, the authentic connection, the, the conversations that I hadn't been having that were my part in how we had got ourselves there. Right. So right. right. Having that awareness helps me, I think, move into the trust because then I thought, okay, well, if I open up about all the things that have opened up in my mind, if I can move into, here's how I contributed to this situation and I'm sorry. 
So that would be a responsibility piece. Maybe yeah. that's another stone yeah. in the river. Take responsibility yeah. that I am, I'm a co-creator. I'm co-creating this. I have co-created this. Probably in many cases, if not most cases, I've co-created it unconsciously. I didn't do it mm -hmm. from my conscious mm -hmm. mind. I didn't make conscious choices that brought me here. Probably I'm here or we're here out of a lot of the unconscious choices that we made mm -hmm. or didn't make. Sometimes it's the choices that we're afraid to make that also bring us to where we are. So to see ourselves as a co-creator of my life, I'm, I'm, I'm authoring this without shame or blame, guilt, none of that. It's, that's just not part of the equation at all. It's just yeah, yeah. a responsible place. I, I, I'm co-creating this. So, okay. So now we're on the third stone across the mm -hmm. river. I love this analogy. I had no idea we were going to go here, but this, <laughs> is, this is why this process is so fun for me because, you know, I'm learning as we go. So, uh, all right. So now I'm responsible. What would, what would be perhaps another stone or the next stone after I have acknowledged, maybe I don't yet know, but I'm in, I'm in the mindset. Yeah, I get, I don't know how I did this, but I'm, I'm the, I'm a co-creator here. So what would be my next, maybe another stone called curiosity. Maybe curiosity I, is like, I think so. Cause there was two things when I was looking at how did I co-create this and how was I responsible for this? Two things really helped me. One was talking them out with people that I felt safe with. And the second was journaling to get what was unconscious out of my head into some mm -hmm. kind of a conscious format. I'm a talker. Some people like when I'm going through stuff at some point when I hear myself say something and then I'm like, Oh, that's what happened. But until it flies out yes. of my mouth or until I've written it down, yes, it's still unconscious. So for me, those two aspects of, well, how did I co-create this? How did I contribute to us getting here? And then having that safe space and the writing really helped me to start seeing the pattern of like, uh, I did that. And one thing that was so crazy for me when I realized it is, and it's going to sound so bad slash funny, is we had gotten just complacent. We were so sure of our ability to work through whatever it was. We were so sure of our ability that we'd be okay no matter what that with this one really big issue not wanting to hurt one another we just didn't talk about it and so I said this is the part that when I looked back I was like oh my god how many times was I so smug because our relationship was so great and we didn't have breakdowns and oh my god was there one brewing in the foundations of it so like there was a a real like honest look at, at that too of how did we get here okay yeah I I got complacent you know I I just figured, you know, once we had some time off, then we'd talk about things. And I was looking forward to our time off. And then I kind of forgot life is now, quite honestly, mm. like in this specific context, because mm -hmm. I was so sure of us that I forgot that, yeah, you don't always get another chance to have those conversations. So I, I think for me, like after the responsibility piece and all of that, like there was a real, what's the word I'm looking for? It was a good awareness piece of, I don't know, it's still kind of in that responsibility bent, but now more not just like, how did I contribute, but more like, It was starting to come into like, what would I do now differently? You know, moving forward, what what can I do to address it? Like some of that was starting to bubble up there. Now that uh -huh. I know this, you know, that's why I suggest. Yeah, that's why I suggest yeah. maybe maybe there's another curiosity stone. I think so because we come back into a question, which I think it comes out of curiosity. Like, okay, I get this. I get that I co-created it. Maybe part of that inquiry um, is 
well, what was in it for me or what was my payoff for, Mm -hmm. for what I created. And so when I get all that, then maybe there's another curiosity stone. What now, what, what, what's possible now? Where do I go? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, one of the things I, I remember asking myself like, okay, what, what can I do now? Not, not what should I do? Yeah. I don't, I don't like shoulds very much or I don't like shooting on myself or on other people. Right. Yeah. It was more like, okay, now, now what, right. What, what can I do now? And that was where that reaching out to say, okay, here's, here's how I was feeling. Here's the stories that I made up in my head. Here's what I was making it mean. Here's how I contributed to this. What's possible now. And I'm sorry. I mean, I, I know I'm sorry. sorry. Let's stop right there a second. Apology. Yeah. Is another stone. Yeah. Yeah. It's another stone, which, you know, an authentic apology does not require an apology on the other person's part. And I Mm -hmm. think many times we come to apology or asking for forgiveness with an agenda that if I do that, then he or she needs to come back at me with the same or that, that, you know, that's not acceptable. So we need to go, if, if we're coming, if we're coming, if we're apologizing or if we're asking for forgiveness, we're not shifting any kind of shame or blame it's not about the other person at all right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with no expectation and no agenda that is clean so a clean apology and i think that's a challenge for people when i was connected to how did i contribute how was i responsible it was really i'm gonna say not not Maybe it was easy in that moment because at that point, love was starting to come up, right, too. So the apology was very sincere. And what I had started saying is like, I think the apology, if it's insincere, like it doesn't change anything. People feel it. But because of sharing how I got there, the feelings, what I made it mean, how I contributed to the things, by the time I got to the apology and is there anything that's possible from now? And thankfully there was, um, I was very clear at that point because now it was almost like a blank slate again. Right. So now he could come back and, and say whatever he had to say or not, but because there was not like a, a sneaky unstated expectation that like, okay, I said, sorry. So now I'm expecting you to say sorry back. It was just, here's how I'm responsible. And I'm sorry. Like, I think he could really feel that from me. So then he was able to come back and open up and share his things. And, you know, he went through his own process. And I mean, we were able to work things out, which I'm so grateful for. But I think that whole process that I was going through, he was going through it in his own way, a little differently, men process a little different than women. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, just to bring it back to the apology, I've been on the receiving end of a heartfelt apology and I've been on the receiving end of a no apology at all for things. And I've been on the receiving end of a, okay, I said, sorry, because like mom made me say sorry kind of thing, you know, when I have a sibling growing up. Non-apology, apology. apology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Right. So it's like, I've, I've had the experience of all of those and I'm mindful of What's the impact I'm having on this human being, on this other person who I love? Right. So if I come with a very insincere apology, like we're never not communicating, somebody's going to feel that. So I had to go through the process before I could say sorry. At the beginning of the whole breakdown, I wasn't sorry for anything. I was just mad. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. You know, you said something that I picked up in your writing as well that I thought was extremely powerful. You said, the truth is, if we're brave enough to be vulnerable often enough, we will fail. Mm. We will fail. Mm-hmm. 
Can you say more? Oh, I failed. Yeah. <laughs> first, I'm going to say like the first couple of days after our, our big kerfuffle, when I was still in the height of emotion, I went back into withholding, right? Not saying anything. And I mean, on one hand, it's, I think it's to an extent self-responsible to go process my emotions, but that's not the only thing I was doing. I was holding back. And then there were moments where for me, my, my family pattern is we don't talk about stuff. You sweep mm-hmm. everything under the rug. Even to this day, you know, my mom will, or my mom or my dad will say, well, you know, tell your brother this, but don't tell him I told you. And like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's silliness. Right. So I know for me, when I've gone into the pattern of like not saying stuff, so when there's anger and things like this, I'm a little like Bambi on ice. I'm starting to learn how to express it, but I'm a little like, like I fall on my butt. So as we were attempting to sort our way through things, like there was a few times where I attempted to share like when I'm angry or when I was feeling angry and like, I just didn't know how to do it. I'd either not say anything or I'd get myself back into like, oh, I'm hurt. Cause for me, hurt is more comfortable than angry. Yeah. Um, and there was just like, I felt like I was failing and how I was expressing myself so many times. But what was more important to me, I think at that point than my ego, or did I mess it up? Or did I say the wrong thing was what I was committed to was the love and the relationship and could we sort our way through it so I failed a lot I made an ass of myself a lot I was like Bambi on ice a lot I ended up irritating him sometimes but I'd come back and I'd say okay here's what I'm trying to say or here's here's what I was attempting to do and this is new for me and I'm uncomfortable and I'm really embarrassed right now because you know like I should know better by now and that vulnerability too softened it up a bit instead of like hmm okay, Andrew just flew off the handle. It's like, okay, well, then he started to realize how did he contribute to whatever it was that caused the anger? Oh, okay. I could see how that may have seemed that way. Okay. That's not what I meant either. So, I mean, once we started loosening it up again, like we both got vulnerable, but it it was a little messy at first. Yes. Yes. And so here's what you wrote as well. The first sentence was, if we're brave enough to be vulnerable often enough, we will fail. Okay. And then you say, and if we know that and risk it anyway, we are pulled forward to even greater courage, hmm. which I think, do you, do you remember writing that? I, I, I do. These are such golden nuggets, Andrea. This is what I'm saying. There's a, there are books in you. There are many books in you. And I hope that you will listen to the writer's voice in you at some point in your life and your journey and give yourself permission to put this in a book uh, because this is really good stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, Thank you. I think the fact that I was writing my way through it as I was going through it, I mean, you'll see my my words when I have a chance to write, you'll, you'll see it's even different than when I talk. As I talk, I'm thinking, I'm puzzling my way through it. But when I write, I put the words down and then I, I put them into a little bit more of a, what's my heart attempting to express? I'm not quite that way when I talk. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's common. I, I feel the same way. It's like, for me, when I write, it's almost like I'm taking dictation. It's like, it's mm-hmm. coming through me. You know, it's coming, it's coming through. It's not coming from my mind. I'm not thinking and then writing. It's just Mm -hmm, coming mm -hmm. through me and I'm taking dictation. And that's my experience of your writing, that it's coming from a higher place. It's coming from a more, it's coming from wisdom, you know, which hasn't been processed by all the, um, you know, by all the machinations of the mind. So mm-hmm. I I want to I want to direct us towards you. You also shared something in your writing about readiness. Um, you say readiness isn't a feeling; it's mm-hmm. a decision. 
Every decision I've ever made, I didn't feel ready. And every move I made proved to myself that there was nothing to fear. So you talk about, you know, if you wait until you're ready, <laughs> you, you miss, you know, it's too late. So readiness yeah. is not a, a feeling, it's a decision. Talk about that. I find this one interesting, especially when I'm surrounded by people, a lot of women who are attempting to get out of their logic so much and more into their intuition. And then this little bit of twistiness with feelings, right? Oh, I, I feel like that's the right choice for me, or I feel like that's the right decision for me, or, you know, I, especially when people are confronted with things that are scary, it's easy to get into this. Well, I don't feel like it's right for me right now. Is that really what's going on? Or is that, I feel really uncomfortable. This is probably going to stretch me and I don't like it. So I'm going to say it doesn't feel like the right decision. And so I come back to, it's not whether I feel ready or not. It's, am I willing to make the decision? Because the decision is what makes me ready, whether I think I am or not. Like right now, all of, I shared a little bit, we're going through fertility journey and there's many things that I don't feel ready for at all. But because mm -hmm. I made the decision, it's like, oh, there's this appointment. There's that, that appointment. There's new ways of eating. There's new exercises to do in the morning. Mm -hmm. Do I feel ready for any of this? Oh, hell no. <laughs> but like, yeah. not even for a moment. But am I doing it? Yes. And it's proving to me. I mean, I, I see, I saw it already in my entrepreneurial life and in working with clients, but in a very, very personal sphere again, it, it really does come down to, am I making decisions on what I have said is important to me mm. versus what do I think I'm capable of in this moment? And what do I think I'm capable of in this moment? You know, that goes up and down sometimes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you're responding to a bigger calling, a larger calling, something beyond your rational, logical mind that would tell you you're not ready for this. It probably also said, there's probably also a lot of fear conversations under I'm not ready, right? I'm not ready. I'm not oh, capable. Yes. I can't do this. I won't mm -hmm. be a good mom. All that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It's underneath. Yeah. How I'm do ready. I think I can handle this? The business of the kid, like, oh my God, there was so much noise in there. I didn't even realize it was there. Right, right. But you say, if you're making a choice, just ask yourself this one question. Does this decision shrink me and make me feel small? Or does it expand me and make me feel alive? If the answer is expanded, the decision is always what? Yes. yes. The decision is yeah. always yes. Does this shrink me and make me feel small if I choose this? Or does it expand me and make me feel alive? Yeah. And if the, if the answer is this expands me, even if I'm uncomfortable, right? Even if it's uncomfortable, mm -hmm. it, the decision is yes. Yeah. That has helped me extraordinarily. It's, it's how I traveled and lived around the world in my twenties before we had the internet, the way we have it today. It's, it's how I allowed myself to even think of starting a business when I did. I mean, there are so many times where our, if we give in to our fears as if they are a hundred percent true. And I'm not talking about like you're crossing the street and you see a truck barreling towards you. So it's better to step back, right? Like let, let's put a little bit of logic and common sense into this. But I'm talking about these, these ideas, the dreams, the goals we have in our lives. And I do believe some of them maybe even are a calling for certain people. They're bigger than we are. To our human mind, they might not seem so feasible. It might seem more logical to go, go for this because you know this isn't contained and you can handle this. But I have found when I really looked at some of this logic, it was just fear masquerading as logic because I wasn't sure about myself or I wasn't sure about something around me. And then when I looked at like, what if I did it? What if I said yes? Um, 
Again, if it's something that expands me, then I know it's a yes. There's other things that if, if it was a yes, if the yes made me feel like I was shrinking and it was constricting and it was really not the right decision, then that was also input, right? So it's, it's been for me a process of becoming more and more honest with myself. Mm. Mm. That feels almost like it's come back for full circle to unlocking intimacy. So maybe that final stone across the river is honesty. Mm. I like it. Yeah. I've had that visual for the longest time, but being able to really clarify or really be eloquent in terms of what those steps were they weren't because I'm doing it unconsciously right 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 and and uh, you know I though I suspect that everybody's steps are a little bit different you know depending upon my steps today at this stage of my life I would suspect are very different than the steps that would be there for me 50 years ago or 40 years ago Mm -hmm. uh 40 Mm -hmm. years ago when I was closer to your age probably those steps are evolving as we grow and as we evolve as well. Well, this kind of brings me back full circle. I'd like to close the circle with just having, um, checking in with you about what's going on in Ukraine right now. I know it is your family background. background. Our, our uh, Our first episode was the broken open hearted warrior. And so much of it was about your response to what was going on in Ukraine. And I have had the privilege of working in Ukraine, training in Ukraine, being connected to the people there, as well as in Russia. And, you know, I worked Mm -hmm. for a foundation that was very connected all over the Russian Federation, many, many cities in Russia as well as Ukraine, Latvia, Estonia, kind of what we call the Eastern Bloc. And, but as we look at Ukraine now, they're almost a year into this war that doesn't look like there is a solution in the near future. And yet the people endure and they persist and they're resilient and they're resourceful and they're courageous beyond, beyond measure unbelievable Mm -hmm. and i'm just curious to hear what your take is on the ukrainian people a year into this war now it's it's been one of these topics that i never know how my emotions are going to come up when it comes up you know some days i'm more grounded some days i'm a little more emotional about it but when we just look at what is happening the word that comes up so strongly there's two is tenacity and hope one of the things that i have heard so often and we have a couple of families that like my family is helping a couple of families that have come over personally um the one thing that is i don't know if this is the right word but fascinating in a way is the hope that these people have, the people that have come here, the people that are still there, because a lot of them still have families back there, despite the shelling, despite the bombing, is that they will rebuild one day. Mm -hmm. And I think that hope parallels maybe trust a little bit that, you know, we didn't choose this, but it's here now. So we're going to deal with it. I sometimes take a look at looking at some of these core distinctions we looked at. If things aren't happening to us, they're happening for us. I look at that and I go, how is that happening for them? What role do we all play? What role do we play? And I'm getting yes. a little like bigger picture here in as humanity, like what is all of our role? Yes. The tenacity of the people is just, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. The courage is amazing. And I think there are many lessons for all of us, many lessons that we can take from the kind of resilience and, and like you say, the, the tenacity and the courage that's being demonstrated and their leader, President Zelensky, mm-hmm. is such a demonstration. I mean, the way that he has galvanized 
the world community. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, Ukraine. And so maybe, I mean, this might be a stretch, but why not? Uh, you know, Ukraine might be the perfect demonstration for all of us to get the importance of, of our connection. It's like in, in many ways, you know, people are actually men and perhaps women, I'm not sure from all over the world are going to Ukraine to fight in that war. There are people yeah. who are going there specifically to fight on the Ukrainian side. Um, it almost in, in a way, it, it almost feels like it's a proxy war. It, it does. For all of us. And we can't see the outcome yet. So we don't know the ultimate resolution for it. And so we get to trust and know and hope that there will be great learning that comes out of this experience. And yeah. we certainly pray for the people of Ukraine the, the families that you are supporting, the ones whose names we do not know, and for all of those who have been lost in this war. So on that note, I just am so grateful for you taking the time to be with us today on the podcast. I so appreciate your being here. And oh, I, uh, thank you. I look forward to another visit with you because there's so much good, juicy material for us to mine here. Well, one of the things I'm so grateful for is I feel like with you and with your community, we get to have some of these deep conversations and it's important, you know, it's, it's easy to get caught up in just surface level life stuff and that stuff's important. And also going a little bit deeper and asking some of these questions, whether we bring it full circle around to what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening around the world. I really believe that when we have the courage to go within each of us with whatever little things are happening in our own lives, our own wars that we're fighting and we heal. Yes. That's the ripple effect out in the world. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I just love you so much. I just adore you to bits. <laughs> I love you too. Oh my gosh. I'm just thrilled to have spent this time with you. So until we meet next time, listeners, thanks for being with us today. Many blessings. Before we go, just a reminder that as a fan of this podcast, you're invited to join our private Facebook group and become part of this community. As a member of the Beyond Squad, my term of endearment for members of this community, you'll be part of our regular engagement opportunities, which include Facebook Lives and thought-provoking conversations that invite deep inquiries into topics of interest in the new beyond. And on occasion, I'll also be live streaming content not available here on the podcast. Lastly, I have a little extra credit homework assignment for the Beyond Squad, if you're up for it. If you could spend 60 seconds to leave a review on Apple, or give us five stars on Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, it would help others find us and make a huge difference. I would be so appreciative. Meanwhile, we'll see you next time here in the new beyond. Many blessings. Blessings.